Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brenning and Jack McEnroe. They'll be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. everyone and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host Robert Brining and I am joined tonight by the fabulous Jack McEnroe. How are you Jack? I'm confused. <laughs> Why are you confused? Why are you confused? I thought um, Jeremy was, is he just a guest or I thought he was yeah. co-hosting with me. Oh okay so now I'm not confused. But I okay. usually am confused <laughs> just because that's how I operate through my function through my life but um, no I thought he was co-hosting so then I heard your voice and I'm like um, shit, I'm high again. Damn it. Um, no. Um, I'm good. I'm really good. I closed on my Miami apartment, yes, on Friday. Congratulations. So, yeah, me and my best friend bought, my no, my best friend and I bought um, this. We got a really crazy deal on the short sale. Um, so 660 square foot, one bedroom, one and a half bath. It doesn't need a lot of work. Um. It needs some, but, like, enough to deter people, but not the gays, because I saw I walked in, and I was like, I just can, I can see this happening. But we paid, like, nothing, so it was a really good I just ended up clearing out my um, retirement account, because I was like, it's such, it's such a much better investment than anything I'm investing in. So, yeah, right. and so now I have an apartment in Miami, if you ever want to come down. You've got a place to stay. Like fun. I've never been there. I yeah, the only reason what? I just, say, I just came back, actually, from um, Fort Walton Beach, um, from the Positive Living Conference that was down there this weekend. Is that in Florida? That's kind of, yeah, 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 that's in Florida. It's over in the Panhandle. Okay. That's what I said. Okay. I've never even heard of it before. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I, I've never heard of that, that part of, um, of Florida, but it was beautiful. Like, it was like a postcard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the beaches were white. The water was blue. I'm not used to that up here in Philly. We have green water. <laughs> right, I know. Well, yeah, New York, New, York, New York water. I saw them in the Hudson ones, and, like, you used to have to get shots, but now you just turn brown. <laughs> um, no, I love Miami. I didn't – I mean, I've, I've been going down there, like, I don't know, four times a year because the winters here just – I think the older and older I get, the more I'm like, I can't do this again. So we talked about doing it, and we found this really crazy, crazy deal because it was almost, you know, it was basically in foreclosure, and um, and it's just like it's the only other city I've ever really been to that you don't need a car because if you're just staying in South Beach, like it's really only like ten avenues and twenty blocks one way or the other, so it's like you can ride your bike anywhere in ten minutes. So. And I haven't had a car since I was in high school, so I would kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be one of those ones who have to take the test over again. Oh, oh truly, yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, anything else new? Um, I'm just finalizing all the dates and stuff with uh, Living Positive by Design and Merck, so I don't really know what's going on with that. Um um, so I can't probably really talk too much about it, but it's happening again. And then, uh, there's, uh, some, uh, once it's finalized, I can talk more about like who there's someone else added in and it's, it's right. good. It's all good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't really know the, 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 the apartment was basically the sole focus of my life until Friday. So I have just relax this weekend and it was such a nightmare dealing we had to have an attorney who was fighting with the title company and people in Miami have this whole different work ethic which is called we don't like to work (laughs) (laughs) so it was really hard getting stuff done like for example the title company one week and we had a week extension because we didn't make our first closing date and the title company called and was like our email system's been down for a week so yeah we didn't do anything 
And that's just how they, they're like, no urgency, no, like, sorry, like, maybe use someone else's computer. They were just like, whatever. Like, it's just such a weird mentality. It's so anti-New York. It's weird. <laughs> no, that's funny because actually this weekend, um, like I was mentioned a little earlier, uh, I was down in Fort Walton and I went to the Positive Living Conference and I've never been to it before and I was actually speaking to a lot of people there and it's one of the, it, it is the biggest from what I've heard, it's like the biggest conference that you can go to right now that, most of the people that were there, like they told me there was 433 people at this conference. And I think there was like less than 10 people that were negative. So it was a wow. really interesting, yeah. So there were so many people. So just to be in the room with that amount of people, um, that energy just to know that, you know, you don't have that thing that you have to worry about to have a normal right. conversation. So it was very interesting. And there were some great workshops. Um, I, I want to thank uh, the director, uh, Butch McKay and, um, his uh, lovely uh, little partner there, um, Rachel, for uh, getting me down there. I actually did a presentation on Saturday on how to find social support um, online, you know, through social networking sites like POSIM and Facebook and Twitter and how important it is for them to really, you know, as activists and people with HIV to use those as resources because it, it's blowing up and it's time that people start connecting. But there were people like Mark King was there, and he did a great one. There was actually a couple Pazi members that were doing, um, um, presenting. Uh, Brandon Moxada was there. Larry Bryant was there. Um, I, like I said, Mark uh, Mario was there talking about peer leader to uh, how to moderate a peer-led support group, which I got I missed, but I heard that it was recorded, so I'm going to be able to hear that. And then Larry, Cowboy Larry, was there talking about HIV and AIDS and, and Sean Struve. I mean, there were so many people. It was just such, I don't know, it was like really weird to be there and to have all those people around you that were just like you. Right. You know what I mean? It went through the same struggle. So the best parts were the, the workshops, but it was also great having just the one-on-one -on -one conversations if you're outside smoking a cigarette or if you're sitting down having dinner. You know what I mean? You're just having different conversations with people and connecting with them. I thought it was great. So I recommend that people try to check for it next year because it's amazing. Um, and if you go to AIDS Oasis, I believe .org, um, that's the website, and they have events all the time, but next year they'll be doing it again. And like I said, there was um, 433 people and over, a little over 200 were first-time attendees. So, oh, I mean, cool. Yeah, so it's really great, and I think people should check that out, um, definitely, because it, it was really, it was my first time there, and I think it was something that I'll never forget. Because we, there was um, a gentleman, I believe, and I apologize if I get this wrong, um, by the name of Andy that uh, passed away, and they did a little uh, ceremony on the beach for him. And it was mm -hmm. a really nice, emotional, but powerful, and, and it was kind of liberating just to be there and, and to be at that moment with people who some knew him, some didn't know him, and, you know, it was just a moment to have, and it made you reflect on the people that you lost, and it was just very moving moment, and I have pictures of it all that I posted on Facebook that people can check out, but it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. important because now we're, like, inundated with, the, you know, the which is a great message that, you know, HIV is very treatable, and, um, you know, if you get on medications early enough, it's and your immune system is intact, it's, it's it hopefully it can be a chronic illness. But we forget that there's a lot of people, number one, that don't have access, and number two, have other extenuating circumstances and people still die of this. Like, you know, and I just got my blood work done and it wasn't as great. Like it always has seen a bad mood if it's not as fabulous as it was the time before, you know, right. it's just a numbers game. It's like getting on a scale and you've gained four pounds and you're like, Oh shit. So, you know, and it's like every, every time you do that every three months and it's like, Oh, my T cells dropped a hundred. Like, what does that mean? Did I just have a cold? Did they, does, you know, it's, so it's 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 a lot of stress that I think goes along with it, and like I don't know if you always are really present with that and thinking about it, but it's always there. You know, do you relate to that? Yeah, no, I totally relate to that because the last time I went, my um, CD4 dropped under 300, and he was thinking maybe about switching my meds up. Um, so I was kind of concerned about my numbers because I'm always like that too. I have to beat or be close to the, the number I had before. Right. You know, especially since now I'm undetectable, I don't have another number to compare it to. <laughs> right. You know, so it's just it's just now the one number that I focus on. So I think a lot of people relate to that. Yeah, and I and I can so and I've gone to my doctor for so long that I just call 
and the receptionist pulls up my file and gives me the numbers, and they're always really consistent. I mean, this last go-around was the lowest they've been in. I mean, they weren't really, really low, but, you know, they were, I think, in the below 600, which it's been, it's been a really long time since they were below 600. And I have to be in a really good mood when I call. So, like, mm-hmm. even if it's a week overdue or two weeks overdue and then I'm supposed to call and I did, like, if I'm in a bad mood and then I get a bad number, then I'm, like, really in a bad mood and I have to, like, go home and get in my bed and order pizza. <laughs> <laughs> the pepperoni. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, I get it. Oh, that's so funny. So, um, actually, tonight, well, let me just, before I bring Jeremy on, um, I actually am trying to quit smoking and Joe just bought these electronic cigarettes and kind of very interesting how they work and um i'm going to you know do a little blog about it. i'm going to see how they work and if i can quit i think it'll be something interesting because i'm down to less than five cigarettes a day oh that's great so that's pretty good so um, how much were you smoking a day a pack that's 20. okay right so that's pretty good yeah that is so, really yeah. good so um but tonight i'll let you all know about that how it works you know quitting is a hard thing to do um, but tonight we're actually going to turn the tables on our other co-host, Jeremy Dunn. He brought it up saying that he never shared his story, and I thought that there was some point that he did, but I was wrong. So um, he said that he wanted to do it. So I said, why not? So tonight we're going to speak with the fabulous Jeremy Dunn. Hello, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. Ooh, I'm the so excited. Seat. I don't know. How, I don't, ho- I, yeah, I'm in the hot seat. Now, how do you pronounce, young lady? How do you pronounce your name? It's Jeromey. Jeromey. Okay, great. Jeromey. <laughs> now, this better be good, or we're just gonna cut you off right in the middle. FYI. Golly, I'm so nervous. I've never done this before. You can't be oh, nervous. Really? Oh, please. You are so not nervous. <laughs> You'll poop. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay, so I will, you know, I'm not on tonight, so this is, so what do you want to ask me? (laughs) Shut up, everybody! You were were born a a little black girl in the projects of Detroit City, and then what? You're right! I was! You bred that in my bio. I did. Now I can't read, but I saw the pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got a pop-up book out. Oh, my. So, well, no, just give, us, um, give, give us the dirt. Give us a scoop. What happened? Let's see what happened. Um, well, I was born a Republican. Oh, and God. Then I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. I just saw somebody say Republicans in in um, the chat room just now. <laughs> oh. oh, golly. So, so Jeremy, tell, tell, us, tell us about, you know, how it was with you growing up and, and you know, you finding out, you know, coming out. And, and I don't really know, like, I don't know if I know specifically where you're from and brothers and sisters and all that stuff. Okay, well, we'll start at the very beginning. Um, March we'll 28th at 9.48 in the morning, I was born. <laughs> um, my brother was born at 9.46 on March 28th, so I'm a twin. I'm two minutes younger. And um, we were Identical? born... Very... What's that? Identical? No, we're fraternal. Okay. So he is, let's see, he's about three or four inches taller than I am, and um, he's a little pudgier than me, so. Okay. I'm sure he's really happy to hear you say that. (laughs) (laughs) He's in England. He's asleep right now. He's not going to listen. Okay. Um, But, no, I I am a twin. I was born, and we, I was born, of course I was born. Um, (laughs) I was, uh, I grew up in a little town just north of Los Angeles, California, out in the middle of the Mojave Desert, actually. And um, the only thing that was there was a naval base. So I I got to see all my seamen right away. Um, Aha, but I'm ching. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. (laughs) But it was a very small town. I grew up on a horse farm, so... um, and and I didn't have a lot of gay influence that I was aware of at the time in my growing up, but I knew that I was gay um, when I was in junior high, high school. I came out fairly early, early on, and uh, then when I graduated from high school, I moved down to L.A. 
and uh and that's where I kind of say where I'm from because that's the only place where where people understand where are you from Southern California oh Los Angeles yes that's where I'm from and uh and when I was in Los Angeles my I let my hair down and I so- sewed all kinds of oats and then some and it was about 1997 yeah, 1997. I met, um, I met my first partner, and we were together for about ten years. And this is where now this is where it all gets gets interesting, right? But I'll, I'll come this to that in juice? a second. What's that? This is the goods. I I'm sorry. What? I said you're going to give us the goods. Yes, I'm going to give you. I thought you said is that the goat? I'm, <laughs> I did call him an old goat a few times, but that was a different story. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> that, you dated a goat um, for ten years, and the interview's I, I over. Did. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> um, but I also have a couple of sisters, high stepsisters, who are also twins. They are identical, by the way. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I know twins all over the place, but. Um, in 97 I met Steve and Steve and I were together for about for 10 years and in 2005 we found out that um first off that Steve was HIV positive and then it, my world came crashing down around me right because I was the one who introduced HIV into the household how do you know um, because I was not faithful oh, in any, 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 any sense of the word. And do you know that he was? Like, um, he said he was, so I have to take him on his, on his word. Okay. You know, and, and once we found out that he was HIV positive, I rolled my sleeve up and we found out, of course, that I was also HIV positive. Um, and when we found out that I was HIV positive, we found out um, that not only was I HIV positive, but I had the full-blown AIDS. I went from zero to all the way to jail. I didn't get to collect my $200, and, I mean, I went directly to the big A diagnosis. So I understand, uh, you know, because I, we've all talked to, to people who say, well, you know, I blame so and so for you know infecting me and and what right. and and so I, you know part of that is well I was that guy right so what what bothered me a little bit was that I wasn't honest with him and I wasn't honest with myself because right. I figured that if I didn't know about my HIV status then then I didn't have it. Right. Which a lot of people, a lot of, it's very common. Yeah. You know, it, I was, I'm negative. I haven't been tested, therefore I'm negative. Right. Yeah. That's exactly how people think. Um, Yeah. So when you were diagnosed, what was that like for you? You know, um, what were you feeling? Like, was it something that you expected? (laughs) Not right away. Um, when I, well, when Mark, or when Mark, when Steve was diagnosed, I literally, and you would think that I was the one who was being diagnosed at the time. I literally fell on the floor. I just collapsed. I was this big bunch of jello that just collapsed to the floor. I think I cried for a good half an hour. And I couldn't look at Steve, and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. It was very, very difficult. And then when my results came back, um, you know, with being positive, and not only did it come back as being HIV positive, <laughs> oh, yes, I had syphilis at the same time. Oh, my God. It, you know, it was like, why not? Just throw that in there, too. But right. thank God for penicillin shots. Oh. But I'll, I'll come to that in a second. So um, it, it, it really kind of rocked my world. Um, we didn't, I didn't tell anybody for probably two years. I just didn't say anything to anyone. 
didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell family members. I told no one. And um, it it wasn't it, it just I, I kind of went into information overload. I went and looked for information everywhere I could find it. And uh, I, the one I went to the went to one one website, and you know I figured that well I'm going to die anyway, and I figured out how to sell my life insurance, and you know I did all of that. <clears throat> I mean I I went from one extreme to another. And then after that, um, once that calmed down, after about a year or so after the, my diagnosis, I started telling people. And um, then I finally told my parents two, two years after. And I so you were, so you were, before you go, I just want to put a sorry. time zone to this. You were diagnosed in 2005, and then you're saying in 2007 is when you decided that you were going to start telling people? Yeah. And then you told your family two years after that? So that would be 2009? Well, I told, Ma, I told my parents. No, I lied. It was a year after that. So I told them in 2006. It's interesting to me that you felt compelled. Like, I remember when people were, you know, actually were dying and everyone died. And it basically was like, if you don't die, you're a freak of nature and you have probably three, four, five years to live. And and everyone sold their life insurance policies. It was very commonplace for people to, like, liquidate everything and, you know. Um, but it's it's interesting to me that you felt the same pressures and reactions when you were, um, you know, it's 2007. Yeah, well, when you're looking at, um, because it, I was getting the Advocate magazine, and there was always an ad, second page to the back of that magazine, that says, sell your life insurance. Right. So every time you got to the end of the magazine, it said, you know, if you were HIV positive, they bought your life insurance policies. Obviously, I didn't sell it. I still have my life insurance policy, but, but it, you know, it, it was that was certainly something I was about to consider. Right. And um, it, it took me a while to to figure to figure things out and to realize that a I wasn't going to die right away. B you know I went uh, I went on medication immediately because I had forty T cells. I had a seating chart and I pretended that I was a teacher and I named them all. Sure. I, I did. I named them all um, after kids who beat up on me in junior high and high school. I pulled out my yearbook and I named them all those. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we all have our little coping mechanism, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was certainly whatever works. <laughs> whatever works for you. But um, then I started t- talking about it. I started. Um, really trying to convince myself that I'm okay, I I think that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was um, dealing with my relationship at the time. It was in shambles. Um, Steve's family moved into the house with us. It was, it was a mess. Um, his parents moved in, and, and I, we had to explain oh it to my them. Gosh. It, it, it was just <laughs> one thing after another. And then that, was, that, was, that alone would have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> so 10 years, I'm out of here. And then in, 2000, in June of 2006 is when Steve and I um, parted, our, parted ways. We, we said, you know, 10 years it was a good run, and we still liked each other. We were still... Still friends. Steve was very, very angry with me. Um, he was, I think, more angry about the the cheating on him than than the HIV itself, because I had I was going to bathhouses, I was hooking up with guys online, I was, you know, I I just wanted to go and have a lot of sex, and and I did. And well, I wanted to touch on that. I wanted to talk about, like, and I'm sure yeah. you'll get to it. It's like just the whole blaming, because all of that stuff, it's like it's natural instinct to have and and betrayal. And I mean, it's, yours is obviously woven in because you were 
you were not faithful and but like the whole blame that someone gave you this or that like I understand it I just don't think it's useful like once you once you get to the point where you're like it doesn't really matter how you got it I mean you can hold on to that anger and bitterness towards the other person um but it's not gonna do anything like yeah but anyway so go on no jack you're absolutely right because you can blame all you want it's not going to change the fact of the matter that you're hiv positive now you have to deal with it um you can't take it back you can't get rid of it you can't i cannot go back and take back all the things that i had done um as much as i wish I could. I can't do that. So, you know, I have to also, I have to be the one to look at myself every day in the mirror and and say, you know what, I'm okay still. I'm not a bad person. I had a lapse in judgment for the better part of 10 years, but um, I'm not a bad person. So I think that's that's the real challenge. I think that anybody... Has, contends with when they're trying to figure out what it is that has happened. Um, you know, obviously. Well, I, also HIV- think, I also think that you know, yes, you were irresponsible. Yes, you lied. Yes, you did a lot of shitty things. But at the end of the day, and this is what I've said multiple times on the show, is that's the reason that. If you want to be 100% sure that you're being protected and safe, you're the only person that can protect yourself. Boyfriends lie. Or people lie. Hookups lie. Like, and if they're not lying, people don't know. People don't get tested. You didn't know. Like, you know what I mean? And even though you were unfaithful, like, you didn't know you were positive at the time. So it's like, that's the mantra. And, like, so he's not to to assign responsibility because, once again, I think that's useless and futile, but... You know, he's not, like, it's not like you forced him to do anything. He has to take some sort of responsibility for protecting himself either. Yeah, you did a lot of crummy stuff in that scenario, but, you know, I think everyone needs to take ownership of their part in the whole thing. <laughs> that is so uh, true. Absolutely. And and that's, you know, it, and I think that's kind of where I'm getting to is, you know, it's it took me a while to figure that out. Um, yeah, we beat you know, ourselves and, up a lot over that. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of, oh, God, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I, you know, there was, I had to go see a therapist for a very long time to realize that, you know, I had a lapse in judgment. I, I, I can't continue to beat myself up over all of that. So I, I think that was the toughest part of of the diagnosis is is the the fact of the matter that you know my side <laughs> my extracurricular activities weren't uh weren't a secret anymore How and did i you had tell to your parents? <laughs> uh, I, i've heard this before and that's kind of why i brought it up because it, it's different from everybody you know than some other people so yeah, yeah. So I did it over the phone. Yeah, that was that was hard to do because you know I was my parents are in California. I live I, I was living in uh, Colorado at the time, and um, it was it was really hard. I called my mom first, and. Um, and that and it went well. It, it did, and I called my and she. You know, ever since then, mom and I'll get to my dad in a second. Um, my my mom was so supportive. She was so she knew she knew more about the virus than I thought she would, and she was just it was just wonderful to you know. We both had a good cry over the phone. And if if I could take one thing back, it would be not being in front of my parents, not being face to face, and and telling them. But um, but um, I, I told my mom that went well. When I talked to my dad, 
Oh. The yeah. first words out of his mouth were, then I think you need to be celibate for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I kid you not. <laughs> I kid you not. Those were the first words. And I'm like, well, I don't think celibacy is going to work for me. <laughs> I'm like, uh, not going to happen. So, but he went silent. My dad doesn't cry very often, and um, I think I've seen him cry twice in my entire life. But he uh, he went silent for a very long time on the phone, and... Uh, and he just said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I'm fine." And you know, I said, "I'm going to be okay." I'm, you know, and and since you know, if I again, if I could take it all back, I would not do it over the phone. Doing it on the phone is not the, because you can't you can't see each other, you can't you know reach out and hold their hand or or there's none of that. It's it's over the phone. And by the time you, why by the time. But by the time you told them, were you still at 40 T cells, or had you like improved oh, help better? By the time I told them, I had just a little over, or just about 300, 310, or right. something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, 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 I was in a much better health, and um, it was just. I it was I was ready to tell them because I wasn't ready to tell them until at that point in time. So And how are they was, dealing with it now? How's your father dealing oh with it now? Well, cuz you're a little more out there now, so I'm sure that's, you know, something that <laughs> you worry um, about. Now, we're not worried about they're fine with it. Well, not fine. They're as fine as anybody's going to, you know, they're they're as fine as I am with it. If that makes sense. So if they, I'm sure they still worry. They still do all of the things that parents do, but um, they are they're much more cognizant. And you know, if I have a cold or something like that, and it's like, oh, are you okay? Do you need to go to the hospital? It's like, no, 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 no. Right. I'm fine. It's just my, a cold. Mom, my mom. My mom does that too. It will yeah. never end. <laughs> yes, it's mothers. It's a mother thing. I think it's it's a parent thing. But uh, what really scared them is in late 2007, I ended up in the hospital with sepsis, which what if folks don't know what that is, it's a bacteria. It's a it's a basically it was MRSA, but it was in my bloodstream. So I was hooked up to an IV. I had a pick line for a good two and a half weeks. So it was wonderful. Just it was awful. But um, it, it, that scared them because I didn't call and tell them. Because, one, I didn't want them to see me looking like that. When I went into the hospital and I was, to give you kind of an uh, indication, I'm about 190 pounds now, which is really healthy for me. And when I went into the hospital, I was 140. When I came out of the hospital, I was 128 pounds. I was a walking stick. Yeah, I looked awful. It is not a diet plan I recommend to anyone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I had encephalitis, which is the swelling of the brain. And it was just, it was bad all over. And I still have um, some nerve damage and things like that. But but I told them well after the fact, and I think my mother hit the roof. Um, she says, you ever do that to me again, I'm going to come out there and kill you myself. <laughs> so, you, mean, you mean not not disclosing you're sick? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So she wants to know that, you know, so I have friends now who have her on speed dial, so in case I'm ever in the hospital again, they're calling and then she's on a plane out here. It's like, oh God, it's all I need. But um, but things are things between my mom and my dad and me. They're they're good. They they're probably the best I've been in many many years, because there's no there's no guessing. There's no um, there's no wondering because I I'm far more open. What's that? 
I said no tiptoeing. Yeah, there's no tiptoeing. There, there's no more elephant in the room. It's it's all out in the open. And I, I think well, for anybody, that's probably the best medicine is just getting it out in the open and, and talking about it. That's so important. It, it just no, I it's, totally agree. It, 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 it's needed because people need to know, especially, you know, family – Family you might not like all the time, but hopefully family will be there for you when you need them. And and mine, and I can say by personal um, personal experience, mine mine are. So and that and that's good, and that's 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 helpful. So and then oh, it's uh, always good. It's always good to have the support of um, your family. You know, oh and, yeah. And and I and I and I, I love hearing you talk about how you called and how you know. In a way, you didn't want to do it, and if you could take it back, you would, and how important it was for you to be there face-to-face because so many people are so afraid to do it face-to-face to call their family and tell them, and, and sometimes they do do over the phone. Maybe not mm-hmm. necessarily their parents, but it'll be, you know, a friend. But I think doing it face-to-face allows you to ha- answer questions if they have something. You know what well, I mean? Well, it also it, – it, absolutely, and it also gives – them the ability to look at you and see that you're okay. Well, I think that's Where, why I asked. I, why I asked, like, what your health day was, and um, you know, because I just know personally, it it wouldn't have been a good scene. I mean, I know your mom said, I, you know, if you ever are sick again and you don't tell me, like, my mom just doesn't cope with those kinds of situations well, and either does my sister. <laughs> And it would actually exacerbate my mental state if, like, I was having – if it was something minor, but if I was – I mean, even if I got to a point where I was really struggling, of course I would tell them. But if it was something that they didn't need to know about, my mom would just – she'd be calling me every 10 minutes. She would fly out here. Like, you know, like I just I, – I think every situation is different, of course, but – for me, when I told my family, like, I've never had any opportunistic infections. I've never been sick. Um, you know, it, I've been really healthy for about five years, and my, my meds are working well. And so I had all that knowledge to kind of buffer when you say, like, oh, I'm HIV positive. Everyone assumes the worst. And I was like, but I'm doing really well. So that kind of helped, um, you know, lighten the blow a little bit. So that's just why I was yeah. curious how that went down with yeah. you. Yeah, oh, and, and that's yeah. No, and and it, and it helps when you're in front of them too. Yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't be there in person, um, right? Because I was, you know, fifteen hundred miles away. So, no, I totally but, understand. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit um, about where you are now, because I know over the last few years you've had some magnificent things happen, and I want I want to hear about how you are now, and tell me about the wonderful guy that you're with and your cute old doggy. Oh yeah, that wonderful guy. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> <sighs> oh, anyway, um, <laughs> so in 2007, after I got out of the hospital, um, I actually Mark and I had known each other for, well, have conversed with each other because we were on um, on the same website together and stuff, and. Uh, it wasn't until September 2007 that we actually decided to move in together. He left. I know, Jack, you're going to hate this, but he left New York to come to Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> and, um Yeah, I know. I know. He, he leaves New York to, to live with me, to be with me, and we've been together ever since. We got married this last September. It will be a year September, six months on Friday, actually, it'll be six months that we've been married. Can you believe that? Wow! Yeah. How time flies. Yay! Which means I have to get thank you cards out. So that was a nice little reminder. I have a year, apparently. Right. Thank you cards out. Yeah. So, um, since then, I have created my own little website called Positively Speaking, and I need to do more blogging because I, I've been busy with my day job. So, but I, I I have a couple of ideas. I promise to get another blog out there. Um, and then <clears throat> between then then and now, I got introduced to this 
nice little social web social place called Pause I Am by a mutual <laughs> friend of Robert and my uh, Bob Bowers and <clears throat> the pirate. And uh, so I got out there, and then I get this request about going on three years ago, saying, "Hey, I'm interested in doing this radio show. Would you be interested in coming on the show with me?" I said, "Sure, why not?" So then. Then this guy, Robert Brining, and I decided to do this little radio show, which has now taken off. And, and, I'm, and I'm a guest for the first time. Woohoo! And, um, and You barely, you you know, barely so, qualified, by the way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I really barely qualified. Yeah, Robert and I were like, are you sure about this? I'm like, I don't know. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm with you. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have picked me. But, <laughs> but I was, I'm just, I was, I'm just by kidding. The way, I know, but I just want all of our listen, the listeners, to know that I was the last resort. It was no, either me or or Babe the Singing Pig. It was one I'm of the sure. two. <laughs> babe so had a date. <laughs> So, so let me open the line so people can call in, Jeremy, and then we can talk about um, you're you're on the board of um, um, yes. Give, yeah, afterwards, um, if you want to yeah, call sure. in and if you have a question for uh, Jeremy or you have a comment for Jeremy, you can reach us at three four seven two one five nine four four two, or you can go ahead and um, enter in the chat room for us, um, and we'll pass that along. Tell us about um, the organization that you're working with. Well, great. I just. Um, for and also just for those who know me, um, I'm a. I just took my meds, so in about 30 minutes I'm going to be wacky. Um, <clears throat> let's see. <laughs> we only have ten. We only have ten left. So. Hurry oh, up. thank God. Um, <laughs> um, so I sit on the board for a wonderful organization called um, uh, Carolina's Care Partnership. And it's the CARE stands for Comprehensive AIDS Research and Education, and it is formally known as the Regional HIV-AIDS Consortium. They're no longer regional because the um, uh, the consortium was disbanded a few years ago, so they had to rebrand themselves. And what we do, uh, what the organization does is um, – they are the primary administrator of uh, several grants in in the Carolinas. So they are they've been awarded a multi-million dollar grant from the CDC for a uh, program called um, D Up and Respect. Uh, mainly, what that do, what that program does is goes out and targets um, at-risk African American youth. Uh, between the ages, I think it's 13 and 21, and uh, they, the Respect Program is a big sponsor of um, one of the biggest balls in um, here in, on the on the Eastern Seaboard. It's actually they get 3,000 people or something like that down here, um, and they also have uh, a couple of programs where they go out and offer um, in-home health, mental health care. And that's a pilot program at the moment, but it seems to be doing really, really well. And it looks like uh, they will get another grant, hopefully. Um, and I think it's, forget who, who the grant comes from, but it will hopefully get renewed for a little bit longer and actually open it up to um, more people in, in the rural areas who are either can't get to um, uh, mental, health, mental health or they can't get to um, uh, or, or are not willing to go see um, a mental health care provider, but they're willing to see somebody that come to their house, so that, which is a great program. But I can go on and on and on about the, about the organization. But they do great, great things. Um, and... Also, I wanted to mention the uh, I'm going to be walking on April 9th with uh, the House of Mercy, which is an AIDS hospice, and um, be walking for their walk, their AIDS walk down in um, Gaston County. 
and then there's another there's like three or four AIDS walks here, which is interesting. But uh but that's so crazy. That, that's what, there's, what's that? There's four AIDS walks there? There's one, two there's three. There's so there's the House of Mercy AIDS walk, there's the Rain AIDS walk, and then there's the my organization that I said on the board, we're gonna do a five K run in uh, June. <laughs> do they draw big crowds on all? Like, um, you know, the, the, rain AIDS, the, the rain AIDS walk actually gets the most, mm-hmm. but we're going to see about getting more people out to some of these other events as well. Which we, so if you're, uh oh, am I still on? Yeah, you're there. Oh, okay. I just heard this crunch and then my, anyway, sounded funny. Um, so, yeah, uh, so RAIN is a uh, called the Regional AIDS Interfaith Network. They provide pastoral services and pastoral care for um, people living with HIV and AIDS. Um, so th- there's resources here, but they're kind of very – they're niche market resources. And what I would love to see is um, a more comprehensive approach to um, – to AIDS care and HIV care here in, in North Carolina. So, golly, I feel like I've been yapping. It's the most I've ever talked on, on air, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us, um, you obviously know about, you know, the ADAP crisis that's going on, and currently in your state there is 139 people. Um, do you have any uh, kind of like updates of what you've maybe heard in your state? Because right about now there's over 7,000 Americans on the list. And like I said, in your state there's about 139. Yeah, so and, and so here here's the – so we're not going to have a waiting list any longer, and I'll tell you why. Because they're just going to stop letting people on. There's no more money. Wow. And um, wow. so they're just not going to allow people to even enroll. So there's not going to be any more enrollment. And um, he, uh, uh, it, it just is, it, it's sad. So that's how they're getting around the whole waiting list issue. Oh, wow. Is they're just going to stop enrollment. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So North Carolina, they don't have a waiting list, but they're also not letting people on into the program. So. Wow. That's um, crazy. Yeah, it's it's just nuts. So we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. We have, for the first time in a little over a hundred years, the Republicans are in um, have control of our uh, state assembly. So it doesn't look promising that we're going to get any more money it looks like they're actually going to start cut they're going to start cutting funding um even more so so we've got a big fight ahead of us in the next couple of years um for the next couple of years i should say and um it just is it it, it, it's going to be a mess all over the place and i don't think north carolina is going to be um is going to be any different than many other states that have elected the people who who have gone out and voted against their own best interests, but that's what happens when you vote Republican. Yeah, but I don't need to get up on that soapbox. <clears throat> <laughs> God, but so, um, so yeah. Tell us this, Jeremy. What made you want to? What made you want to start sharing your story publicly? What made you create your website? Because, you know, people will be diagnosed and they'll go through the same process, but nope, not everybody will put a website up and put their face and their name and share their whole personal story. What made you want to be that person? Because I know for a fact that I'm not the first person to get HIV and pass it on to um, somebody that was close to them. And uh, especially knowing my circumstance, I, I'm I'm not a unique story, but uh, I wanted to be I, I wanted to 
put my big boy pants on and and talk about it because I, I think the more we are able to share our own personal stories and uh, and and quite honestly I, I'm I, I'm sick and tired of of victims you know it's like oh my god it, it, you know it's you know what I made some poor choices I but I'm not going to be a victim in this and I need to show people that you know it, it 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 don't be a victim and and I hope people can hear um I I hope people will hear that and see the and see that story um and 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 that's okay and that it's that they don't have to be a victim there's no there's no there's no need to be a victim no, I totally oh. agree. I actually have a call here, so let me bring on area code four three four. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Travis. How's it going? Hey, Travis. Travis how you doing? All right. Um, my question is, oh, can you lower your speaker, you Travis? Yeah. Hello. Thank yeah. you. Your question. Uh, yeah, my question is, um, how do you respond to the people out there that say, because of your irresponsibility, you've contracted this disease? And why should the taxpayers of this country have to um, cover the cost of your medication or your treatment? Uh, I see this on a lot of websites, and I see a lot of um, uh, various arguments, and I just was curious how you feel about that. Okay, well, so <laughs> how I feel about that is, one, I, I can perfectly – thanks for the question, by the way, Travis, because I think it's, it, it is important. And, one, I'm lucky enough at this point to be paying for my own health insurance, so um I I I work and and in order to in in the second point to that is being irresponsible and making bad decisions does not make be a bad person and we shouldn't penalize someone for unfortunately making poor decisions we need to make sure that they get the help that they need we need to make sure that um, individuals are treated with respect, with dignity, and should not be denied um, life-saving medication just because either, A, they've had a drug problem, um, they've made poor decisions, maybe they went out one night, got drunk. I mean, it happens. We, we, we get drunk. Well, everyone who, like, if no one, I mean, I don't know a single person who's never made a poor decision. Everyone makes poor decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, we need to make sure that we treat the individual and not, um, and not vilify them because they have contracted this disease. And especially for those who are um, unable to pay for the medications themselves, we as a society have a responsibility to our fellow human being. We have to be good neighbors. And we have to be um, good Americans, and we have to take care of our own. And uh, so, so that's that's my response. It's it's it is the responsibility of this country. It is the responsibility of each and every one of us to make sure that we that we all have the the ability to reach out and to get the help the, and and the health care that we need and that that we require to just to stay alive. So it, it's that that's my response. Right, no, and I want to thank Travis for calling in. And I think it's also really important, because um, I think that was all in regards to the ADAP situation, and I think that um, you know, not only are we advocating that we want to fight for ADAP and the waiting list to go away, but also for lower-priced drugs. So that's just, you know, it's not just one side that we're trying to get. It, there's a lot of places where things need to be fixed, and ADAP well, is and just think, one of those And I think solutions. you can go on and on and on, and it's endless. So right. We should have socialized health care in, in this country, and everyone should have free health care like it's a joke that we don't i mean 
countries that have, you know, socialized medicine and go into their doctor and like, you pay for your healthcare? Like they think it's insane. And it is insane that it's a market on whether or not people live and die and are healthy and money is made off of that. That is asinine. I'm sorry. It is. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And it's not fair. And I don't have to get into this fairness story or, or, or things like that, but again, we have to be good neighbors for each other we have to take care of each other that that's the only way that a country like ours will stay or 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 be strong is this country wasn't built you know individually it was built as a unit and people standing together in unity and that's the only way that we're going to fight this disease is if we stand together in unity and not fight each other over it that's I That's agree I with you. I have a, no, no, hold on. I have another caller here, so let me oh, bring them on. Caller, you're on the air. Hello? Hi, who's this? Hey, Jeremy, this is Diane in Denver. How are you? Good, Diane. How are you? Oh, good. I want to say hi to Robert, too. Hi. <laughs> what about Jeremy? I had a question say? for Jeremy. Oh, okay. Okay, and my question, I actually put it in the box earlier, but thinking outside the box, um, I just want to say that was just so creative. I mean, I never would have thought to name all my T cells, and I'm still kind of like laugh. I mean, at the time it wasn't probably funny, but I'm thinking about that now going, okay, who would have thought to do that? And I'm just curious if somebody, like, suggests that to you. I just want to know, like, how did you come up with that idea? Because I just think that is so creative. <laughs> well, I'm serious. <laughs> I, I, you know, I heard somebody else do it when they had two or three, and I said, well, you know what? I've got 40 of the little fuckers, so let me tie. Oh, sorry. I just, <laughs> He's like, I just slipped. Is there, are you going to bleep that out? Um, yeah, I, right. <laughs> I'll get a letter later. Um, <laughs> I'll get a phone call later. You can't say that on air. Um, no. <laughs> but, um, but I, you know, I had 40 of them, and there was a bunch of people that used to pick on me in, in school. So I, I just decided, you know, why not use those people that that I couldn't stand, and that made me fight harder. And it's like I'm not going to get put in a trash can or in a locker again. <laughs> no, I totally Literally. agree, and I want to thank Diane yeah. for calling in. Um, Jeremy, time is up, man. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and finally sharing your story. I just wish we could have done it sooner. Yes, I do too. I was feeling a little left out. I'm kidding. Mark, blah 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 blah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm asleep already. So good night. <laughs> anyway, I have to say this one thing, Jeremy. Mark King, as a joke, puts in the chat room. Of course, the one night when Desperate Housewives is a repeat. We tune in, and Jeremy's the guest. That's like tuning into a special of Project Runaway and having Heidi be a guest host or a guest uh, judge. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I had to pass that little joke to y'all because I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> uh. So, Jeremy, people can find you on Facebook, on Twitter, um, Google Positively Speaking, or Jeremy Dunn. You can go to PositivelySpeaking.com. You're on Pause I Am. People can find you everywhere and just, hook up with you and get any info they need. Well, they can hook up with me, but I have to we have to be honest about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord, what am I going to do? With oh that? goodness. Well, thanks everybody. Bye love. Have for, a good night. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. You have a great night there, sir. You too. Bye bye. <laughs> He's too funny. He's too funny. <laughs> oh my lord, oh my lord Well, time flies when you're having fun And we are down to the last few seconds So any uh, last words for yourself, uh, Jack Or anything you want to No, I'm awesome, it really about? went really fast I think it's because we all know each other so well it's like, And he's a you yapper, know. he's a yapper Yeah, but it's great <laughs> He likes the spotlight Anyway <laughs> So uh, next week we will be speaking with a lady by the name of Laureen Who will be coming on and speaking about Being um Oh, God, I'm so bad. Uh, long-term non-progressor and learn about controllers and all that. It's all new to me, so it'll be interesting to, to learn. Um, you can find information on jack at jackmackerloff.com. 
and more information on myself and the show at pauseim.com. Jack, you have a great night. You too. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys.